with my brother and fellow wrestling aficionado, Steve Slammer. Steve, how's your day today, buddy? I'm freaking pumped. I am glad that you're pumped, man, because I am depressed. Well, why are you so depressed, Steve? Well, you know, the New York Mets dropped three of four in Miami. The division lead is down to a half a game over the Phillies, who come back and beat the Nationals tonight. And tomorrow night, when I'm in Citizens Bank Park, the Mets are going to be nursing a half-game lead in the division. But I will still be there rocking a, an outfit similar to this because you got to represent the team. But aside from that, you know, hey, Kemba Walker is a New York Knicks, so that's a good thing. You do have a good starting point guard. You got a good backup point guard in the form of uh, Fournier, who is actually going to be playing for the gold medal, I believe. Well, that is, uh, I believe that is correct. So, but so is Team USA, aren't they? Yes, absolutely. France absolutely. versus Team USA. It's going down. And it, what if, what if the French beat the U.S.? Because the U.S. essentially have a freaking dream team right now. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. I think at that point, it'll just be like the rest of the Olympics that I just really don't care about. Yeah, so here's what I've come <laughs> to the... My, my thing about the Olympics, outside of the wrestling, judo, taekwondo, um, track stuff, a lot of these sports, do they just not feel like a couple of drunk buddies at a frat party just decided to put a game together and it just became a game like handball? It's like, hey, we can't kick like soccer. We can't shoot the ball like basketball. But what if we just throw the ball at the net? And then, uh, yeah, so I, I, it's like little stuff like that. Then there's certain events I'm like, how do you grow up being like, that's what I want to do when I grow up? Or how do they find athletes from some of these more, uh, dare I say, offbeat sports? That's been like the, the aching question for me for these past couple days. The only aching question with me when it comes to the Olympics, because I've been kind of checked out, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, the way you describe some of those kind of more obscure sports, you know, the kind of stuff that would show up on the Ocho. On the Ocho, ESPN8, yep. Uh, I think I think that's probably how they were created, you know, just a bunch of drunk frat boys sitting around and then saying, hey, what if we were to take this ball and, and then just figure it out from there? So, you know, hey, could be worse. It could definitely, it could most certainly be it could, worse. It could be worse. We could be stuck watching, like, synchronized swimming or something. Synchronized swimming. I thought that was an Olympic sport. I'm sure it is. Yeah, they which got. That's why I don't watch the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean. I need entertainment, man. That's why I watch professional wrestling, because occasionally I'm entertained. Well, speaking of which, uh, Jericho on Twitter, I believe, either liked or retweeted a tweet that said, hey, why not make Olympic wrestling a sport and then judge it as you would a gymnastics meet or ballet or something like that? I had, I had, to, I had to suspend disbelief there for a minute because when you said Jericho retweeted, I thought you were about to say the Slammer Brothers. No, no, no. We're, we are not on that mm. level yet. But we have surpassed 30 downloads on our podcast oh that people can go, and we are everywhere now. We're on Apple, Google, Amazon, that freaking anchor.fm. We're on Stitcher. We are literally, and we're on YouTube. We are literally anywhere that you would want good 
wrestling content from a couple of uh, smart marks. And as you can see from the marquee, we're continuously stepping up our game thanks to the brains of the operation, the good-looking guy on the screen before you, Mr. Jack Slammer. I, I'm just in awe, sir. You know, pretty soon we're going to be, we're going to have our own studio. Well, the thing is, you and I, when we first got into this, because, um, you know, not to break kayfabe for a moment, but we definitely do not make money as podcasters in our everyday life. Let's just leave it at that. Um, but, you know, one thing that you and I are the two types of people who do, we're like, hey, every show, let's just make it a little bit better. Let's make it, let's make the audio cleaner. Maybe we add OBS so that we could, you know, control the audio settings and things of that nature. Um, so that's basically anybody who's listening, watching, or, you know, being a fan of, I guess now, because a few people actually like our freaking podcast now. That's like the one thing we can promise you. You know, it may not, every show can't top the next in terms of content or entertainment, but the quality of the product each time, we're going to aim to make it as great as humanly possible for you. Well, hey, brother, you know, I'm sure that the people that are watching and the people that are going to be watching and or listening really appreciate the work that you're, put, that you're putting into this. And I can tell you this, that there is room out there for content. And I can tell that there is an audience because if people are willing to watch Nick Gage, then there's certainly a place for the two of us in the, in the Internet sphere that's out there. The internet sphere, yes. I mean, just as long as I don't have to let you hit me or cut one of my major arteries with a freaking tube light, I think, I think I'm okay with that. Rest assured, I do not own a pizza cutter, so if we ever did get to the point where we were sponsored by a Domino's Pizza, we would not lose the sponsorship due to me, I can tell you that. Well, see, that's, that's one of those things, the pizza cutter, because it's not an item that I have ever owned, and I've owned, like, a lot of obscure things in my kitchen that I've used, but I have never needed a freaking pizza cutter. Well, because doesn't the pizza come cut? The pizza comes pre-cut, so does that mean Nick Gage is some kind of a chef? Is he a, did he work at a Domino's Pizza? Is he scorned? I, I don't know. Now, I mean, I'm intrigued by the backstory here's, a little bit. Here, here's what I'm going to tell you, brother. Not to not to mock those other people that are out there, in this case, Mr. Nick Gage. But the from the looks of things, the only thing he's cooking is meth. All right. So <laughs> fair enough. I mean, listen, uh, I just hope he can cook up some good uh, dental work from time to time. And listen, <laughs> I haven't got to work Jericho. He got to work Jericho. He got to have a main event in which he took his, well, and I'm using quotation marks here, craft to an audience of 1.1 million. And honestly, you and I both said it. The only person who won that night was Nick Gage, if you think about it. Oh, absolutely. Like the only person with a very clear definitive win was, was Nick Gage, who can now go to all those indie organizations and he's going to get like way more money now because of that marquee value that Jericho gave him. I mean, between dark side of the ring and AEW and good on him. I just don't want to see him on my television ever again, but I wish him the best. Well, he will be in Las Vegas because as you pointed out to me outside of the, of the cast here, GCW will be in Las Vegas for SummerSlam weekend. So, well, you know, we are going to talk a little bit about SummerSlam today. We're going to talk mostly about the AEW uh, Dynamite Homecoming that had some spots that I liked, 
some spots that I kind of think should not have been on television. Um, but speaking of every time trying to make this show a little bit better, Mondays we have buy, sell, or hold. Today we're going to go just a little bit classier and a little bit more tap into our PG WWE era, our PG era WWE by playing a good old-fashioned game of Mary Kill Fuck. So, in this game... Well, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm fairly certain that in the PG era of the WWF at the time, now WWE, I don't believe I recall ever hearing an F-bomb dropped. But we'll go ahead and we'll let you... We'll let you, you know we will Put call this F Mary Kill. So you don't have to no, say no, 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 no. the F bomb. You could say F if you want, fuck if you want. I don't I don't fucking have a problem saying fuck. I was just pointing out the fact that you likened it to the PG era of WWF. That's all. I was speaking very sarcastically, <laughs> sir, but apparently that went over like a Nick Gage main event at AEW. So basically, I'm going to present uh, three five different scenarios. In which case you have to marry one, which means hey, you take it for till death do you part, baby. Fuck means hey, you know, yeah, that's a two week angle, maybe a month angle. And then kill would be, dear God, if I never have to fucking see this, you know, I never want to see this. But I do have some scenarios here that are gonna be a little bit tougher than others. Are you ready to play the game, Steve? I am standing by, sir. I am I am excited. Okay, so much like a polygraph test, this first this first scenario, it's kind of a calibration test. So it's not related to wrestling, but you were speaking about baseball today, so I have to bring up scenario one. There are three great baseball movies amongst all baseball movies. So, Steve, you have to fuck one, kill one, marry one. Movie one is Major League starring Charlie Sheen. Movie two is Moneyball starring Jonah Hill and Brad Pitt. And we're gonna talk about, and the and option three is the Bad News Bears, not the remake, but the original. Which one do you kill? Which one do you fuck? And which one do you marry? Mm. Well, you gotta marry Major League. So let's just get that out of the way. Yes. Because Major League is a classic. Um, I can never get enough of Charlie Sheen and Willie Mays Hayes and, you know. And, of course, you know, as as we'll talk about, I'm sure, when we get into the Dynamite review, uh, Wild Thing, the Major League version of Wild yes. Thing, great wrestling entrance music. I, I just can't get enough of it. So we'll marry Major League and then, when, uh, man, Bad News Bears and Moneyball. Hmm. I wanted this bears. So see, here's the thing. So I guess, I guess in this certain scenario, it could be your favorite one is Mary, your second favorite is fuck, and then your least favorite would be kill at that point. So well, basically I what mean, I would pose the question here, you've got two DVDs in front of you. You're stuck on a desert island for a month, and you could only watch one of them for that month. Which one are you going with? Well, hang on. What if what if fuck means that it's 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 more fun in the moment, but you just can't take it for the for the length that you would be committed to in a marriage? You know what? Or am I overanalyzing? You know what? You could analyze this game however you would like, <laughs> sir. But I right. go for it. All right, I'm ready. So we're gonna marry Major League. We are gonna 
fuck the bad news bears, which sounds icky, but for the sake of the game, that's what we're going to do. And then we're going to kill Moneyball. Boom. Love it. Love it. Even though I will say this, uh, I my list there is quite similar because I like all three movies. Moneyball <laughs> is one of those movies I don't really think about it. I don't quote it, but every two years I have to watch it. Like I'll just be like, I'll just be like, damn, I really want to watch Moneyball right now, and I don't know why. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can marry Major League. Like I said, I can watch that anytime, anywhere. Yep. Moneyball, I have to be in the mood to watch. Yeah. And I'm ready to go. I'd have to be in the mood to kill somebody. So let's just say. Moneyball is going to be the, the kill shot right there. The kill shot is... Thank God I didn't say money shot. Money shot. <laughs> well, I guess we're here. I guess I guess you are the rated R superstar. Okay, scenario number two is going to be some various scenarios that could possibly happen in the future. Um, so scenario two, let's go through the options. Option one is Cody Rhodes faces Malachi Black wins the rematch, and then retires properly. Scenario two, Finn, Finn Balor in the triple threat with Cena and Reigns takes the belt off of Reigns. Number in the third one, Bobby Lashley beats Goldberg into, well, I put an early retirement. I guess we can call it a late retirement. <laughs> retires Goldberg. Of those three, which one do you fuck? Which one do you kill? And which one do you marry? Well, I'm going to kill the idea of Finn Balor winning winning a, any kind of a triple threat. I mean, I know that when we went over this the last time, it seems like they could go that way, but he really hasn't been positioned for that. And, you know, to, to defeat Reigns at this point, I think it would have to be the result of some kind of a build. So let's just get that out of the way. Okay. When it comes to the other two, I'm going to say I'm going to fuck the the Cody Malachi black thing because but that would be more of like a punish fuck because that's like you don't want to see it happen but you know if I have the choice between marrying that and marrying the uh, the Goldberg Lashley scenario because I think that's the one that's actually going to happen so I'm going to marry that one which okay. means I'm left with the fucking Cody Malachi black situation alright very good. Scenario number three. Here we go. Your first option. Nikki Ash retains her title at SummerSlam. Number two. Reggie remains the 24-7 champion and is on TV defending his title six months in a row on both programs. And All right, we're killing that. We're killing that one already. But c c continue. All right, and option three: Nick Gage is signed full time to AEW. Oh shit! Now I gotta. Oh, God. All right, let's kill Nick Gage going to AEW. I jumped the gun there. It was a little premature. <laughs> a little premature fuckery right there. A little premature killing. <laughs> I'm gonna kill Nick Gage going to AEW. That that with the. Oh, God with the people that they're going to be bringing in and the people that they more or less have in a holding pattern right now, you cannot add that to your roster. So let's kill that. Um, I will marry the idea of Nikki cross Ash, almost whatever she is 
retaining because honestly i think that's what's going to happen and we'll get to predictions you know when we get closer to the show which means i'm left to to fuck what i would have killed originally <laughs> which this game is gross man i know man some of them i wanted to make more difficult for you in terms of options i know where you would like all of them and then options where or maybe agree at some level with all of them or just be like oh this is all stupid and this well, was you one know of what them. Well, you know what? I can buy into the idea of fucking the, the Reggie scenario because it would just be like I was the one getting fucked. So, Yeah, there you go. All right, scenario four. And when you and I, we, we always graze how we would fix certain booking errors, but without getting too deep in it, I know we want to do almost like the unfuck yourself special. Um, but scenario four would go into various improvements that could possibly be made that you have you yourself have mentioned on this program. So, uh, option one for scenario four, WWE gets rid of the concept of 50-50 booking. Meaning, for the people watching at home, instead of guy wins, opponent A wins this week, opponent B beats him next week, and then they fight four times and each of them wins two, while no guy actually gets over end of 50 50 booking we go back to a day when things kind of made sense where yeah you might have gotten pushed down to the mid card while another guy got elevated but that was just kind of the way it is and you understood it was part of the business to keep things fresh option two aew hires a creative team with wrestling booking experience to improve some of these booking decisions that we have disagreed with. And number three, WWE brings back golden era title belts. Hmm. So instead of well, the, well, oh, to, so for people who are listening in at home, the WWE title belts used to be some of the most goddamn gorgeous, beautiful pieces of metal to ever grace this planet. And up in this, I would say, this last decade, uh, they've devolved into something that looked like you could buy them at Walmart for $25. Um, maybe even less. Maybe even in the clearance rack. So hmm. with those three options, Steve, which one are you going with? Ooh. Well, I, I'll, I'll say for now we'll, we'll kill the 50-50 booking one because I, I think that that is like a drug that they just cannot get off of. Yeah. <clears throat> and then they wonder why they can't create new stars. So, yeah, if if, if you got to think, you know, back in 03, 04, 05 time frame, if John Cena had been 50-50 booked the whole time, people wouldn't be going apeshit when they see him in 2021 because they created an actual star. Yeah. So let's let's kill that idea for now. I will fuck the idea of them bringing back golden era title belts. I don't think they're going to do it. But uh, I could, I could uh, get off on that one a little bit, and so I'm left with the option of marrying whatever the third option was. I've forgotten. What was the third option again? The third option was AEW oh, hiring, hiring a creative. You know what? And actually, I could see them doing that only because of some of the talent that they have coming in. Yep. <clears throat> I could see them. I could see them bringing in a couple of creative minds to help them out. Although. The Booker of the Year, Mr. Tony Khan. I mean, you know, how much help does he really need? Him and the, him and his vice presidents. Well, you know, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not so good. 
I would say he's not terrible. I would just say that it could be better. And from what I've seen, based off of the little I've seen this product so far, there have been some really good decisions and some, uh, for lack of a better term, fucking horrible choices. And we're probably going to get into a few of those today. We are definitely going to get into both ends of that spectrum. Okay, so final scenario here. And these are just guys who, since we're talking AEW today, I wanted to bring up three AEW superstars. And this is just kind of to gauge where you're at with each of them in the company. So option one, Malachi Black. Option two, from North Carolina, Kenny Omega. And then Mr. Pockets himself, a guy who I like, but a guy I know you're not too, too hot on, Mr. Orange Cassidy. All so, right, let's drop, an, let's drop an atom bomb on Orange Cassidy and just be rid of that. So let's just, let's go with the kill there. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's fuck Kenny Omega. And, uh, God. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, it'll it, it would be Omega would be the one to get fucked there. Yeah, then you would marry yep. Malachi Black yeah, and what I because w- he's he's a he's a star. He is a star, and I know we're gonna get towards. We'll talk to about him towards the end of this program, but I will say, based off of some of our criticisms or some of the observations that have been made about Cody Rhodes uh, these past few weeks, where we thought it was inconceivable that the ending of that match would have happened the way that it was, or that was a concern. And the deal is Cody Rhodes did business for the company last night. And I got to give him respect for that. Well, we'll get there. We will get there. We'll get there. Oh, we're going to get there. I, we will get there, (laughs) but I, but I do, I will say I was pleasantly surprised by the ending of the ending, but we, opened the show last night with the AEW opens their program with a match that I felt was badass 20 years ago, but last night, not so much. Both guys gave amazing efforts, and I'm talking about labor number three, Juventud Guerrera versus Chris Jericho, who is not the pain maker, but did come out in the porcupine jacket with this time, with golden spikes, I might add. And the stipulation of this match was that Jericho could only win via top rope maneuver. Now, Steven, how did you feel about this match? Well, I mean, I wasn't sure who was laboring more. Chris Jericho, when he was huffing and puffing two minutes into the match, or me having to watch a, re- a remake of a 96 classic in what seemed to be about one-half to three-quarter speed. So, um, hey, you know what? The the crowd, they love that Judas theme, don't they? They do. I'll... They love singing that. Isn't Here's what I've noticed about AEW. If Tony Khan spends the money to license a song for you now in his this case jericho is the the musician there so i doubt that he had to pay a licensing fee there but maybe he did but if it's a song that people can sing to whether it's a tarzan boy when jungle boy comes out whether it's moxley coming out to wild thing if the crowd can sing your entrance music you're over 
as far as I'm concerned at AEW, or you're one of the stars of the program or perceived to be by the front office. Well, you know, it, it's, it would, you would think that, but then after everything that I watched on this show and especially the, the, this match and the main event, the conclusion that I've come to is that either, either the fans are completely bought into the Kool-Aid here, or they are so deprived because they haven't seen live wrestling during the pandemic. And, and this was in, this was at Daly's place, place in Jacksonville. So it's like their home base. But I mean, I'm convinced at this point that AEW could literally shit in their mouths and they'd yell about how great it tasted and ask for more. I don't quite agree with you there. I don't know to that level, but I would say that the crowd is generous. I would, I would give you that. Generous. So, so they sing Jericho to the ring, and then he's standing in the ring across from Juventud Guerrera, and before they even lock up, the crowd is chanting, holy shit. Yeah. At one point in the match, the crowd started chanting, this is awesome, and I'm like, what are they watching that I am not? Do you think, though, because here's the thing, I mean, uh, to, the, to those of you who did not see the match, um, there was, for lack of a better term, some botches here and there. Jericho, Juventud, to his credit, looked like he was in great shape. And I know that he, is he older or younger than Jericho? He's younger. He's 46. Jericho's 50. Yeah, because Juventud was moving like he was at least 80% of what he used to be. I mean, he was, he was definitely... He definitely did his cardio before this match. Um, Jericho is not the flyer he once was. He's not the the in-ring technician because he's past that phase of his career. I view him going kind of the same way that Edge went because Edge used to be a high flyer. Now his moveset is more that of a main eventer, more of a traditional heavyweight is, is kind of the moveset now. So maybe... That was what they were trying to portray uh, with this with this labor was that holy crap now I've got to try to keep up with them and they wanted us to feel like may- maybe he was not as blown up as we thought he was um, maybe he was acting a little bit showing off a little bit because they wanted to portray hey see look how difficult this is for me it's an actual labor because part of this is what we have to remember last week. They tried to murder this guy. They, they literally made a shiv out of a light bulb and started stabbing Jericho. Now it's like, you know, uh, another podcaster, I believe it was Jim Cornette, he said, all right, this is like following up a murder with a pickpocketing, right? So, Well, yeah, absolutely. Everything about the sequencing here was wrong, but, you know, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. I'll let you finish your thought there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That was just... I, oh my God. I, they were blown up. There was plenty of botches. There was some cool maneuvers. Like there was a top rope spot where Jericho reversed into the walls of Jericho. Now it didn't look the prettiest. It was clearly choreographed. Um, but I thought the concept was pretty cool. Uh, Hoovy, as I said, was hitting top rope stuff. He looked like he had an aged uh, set. He, he looked... He did not feel like a 46-year-old Juventud Guerrera. He felt like a dude who was maybe mid-30s, but he he was he was looking awesome. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't gym class F that bit because there was also some good things with uh, MJF. I love him as a heel. Um, he definitely had some good mic work. 
and uh, the introduction of Labor 4 was a little anticlimactic, even though it ended with him, you know, taking a beat down from what what's the wrestler's name he's going to be in with? Wardlow. Wardlow. Yes, I had it correct. I just didn't want to say it that wrong. So Wardlow comes in, kicks the shit out of both of them. Then MJF uh, reveals that the following week he has to compete in a match with Wardlow, and the stipulation is that MJF is the outside enforcer. So he's not the special guest referee, but he is the enforcer. So, Steve, I'll let you finish your thought. Well, I mean, I hated everything about this. Like I said, from from the beginning, it felt like they were moving at, like, one-half to three-quarter speed. I mean, even MJF, you know, he had a he had a funny bit when he came out and he ripped the fan sign up and kind of wiped his ass with it. I kind of dug that because yeah. that's like classic heel stuff. But mm-hmm. then during the match, during the match, at one point, Jericho starts to like try to take Juventud Guerrero's mask off. And MJF is yelling a commentary that Jericho is taking it too far. And I'm like, you literally put him in a death match last week with a freaking psycho. Yeah, but, but now he's taking it too far because he's trying to take Hooven, like half-heartedly trying to take Hooven to Guerrero's mask off. It was like, eh, it just takes me out of it. The fans, the fan reactions to this, I wasn't sure if they were really bought into this or if they were mocking. I mean, even even outside of the match, like Chris Jericho on his Instagram, he posted this graphic that all time he's now 17-6-1 against Juventud Guerrero. Yeah. Which means at the time he was 16-6-1, right? Yeah. I'm so, so I'm supposed to be threatened by the fact that MJF digs up this middle-aged luchador that he, he had some matches with back in the late 90s that Jericho has beaten 10 times more than he's lost to him. And this after, you know, again, he put him in a death match last week. And then even the end, you know, the the Wardlow comes in and he jumps them both. Like, if I'm moving to Guerrero, I'm like, dude, what the hell? Like, you hired me, you bring me in here, now your goons jumping me for what? Do you I, think, do you think they're going to work something? Because people did love Hoovy, Hooventoot in this match. They love the juice. Uh, do you think Hooventoot saves Jericho next week? I think Hooventude's gone. I think this was a one-off. Yeah, because you you could be correct because Hooventude, I mean, he's been working at GCW as well. Like, GCW has has been doing some signings, man. Yeah, they have uh, two cool Scorpios working for them. Uh, Hoovy's working with them. So I think what they're trying to do is diversify out of uh, just pure deathmatch stuff. So they have, you know, legitimate matches that people will enjoy and then they end it with okay hey let's end with somebody fucking dying in an airplane somewhere so or a helicopter it was but mm. yeah it's uh it's interesting uh, yeah i mean i i just i didn't like it you know and like and like i was alluding to earlier like the the sequencing of the labors just doesn't make any sense i mean you start with spears then you go to nick gage then you go to Hooventude, now you're going to wardlow it's like did they put any thought into this? I mean, if, if I were booking it, I would have started with Spears, and then if you feel the need to go with Hooventude, then bring in Hooventude. And then at that point, you can go either Gage, Wardlow, or Wardlow, Gage, depending on how you want to do it. But yeah. it's like you've, you've already tried to murder him. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, you got to win with a move off the top rope. And it's like, well, he did do a top rope Hurricane Rana last week on Nick Gage that sent him through the plate glass. Yeah. And I'm like, so why is this such a big deal? Exactly. Yeah. Do you think, I think they had something way worse planned out, but then they probably were getting a bunch of angry calls and were like, I think 
the Hooventooth thing kind of feels like an audible to me. It doesn't feel like it was plan A. I feel like the whole Nick Gage thing probably, after it scared off Domino's Pizza, um, I think they probably got the cord plugged on, or the cord unplugged on the other things. Because to me, I mean, I, I, I don't feel like they could possibly have made that decision unless there was an outside force added to it. Because I could totally see them being like, all right, who's who's uh, who's the independent version of Cactus Jack these days? Great. Uh, you and Moxley barbed wire match next week. <laughs> um, well, I think... I think the good, the only good thing to say about this is that mercifully, this entire angle, the five labors, will be coming to an end in the very near future because I've, I've seen enough. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it was something, if done correctly, could have been very intriguing, or at least got you five weeks worth of material. But I. Do you think they also called another audible because this is not hitting as well? Because I thought it was going to be five labors and then you got MJF. But now it's like, oh, we're yeah, I am the fifth never, labor. That never was really clear. I assume I assumed the same that it was going to be five and then MJF. I guess MJF is five. I could I I don't think they ever really specified either way. So I I don't know if they're necessarily calling an audible. I think this is just I honestly I think you got a bunch of guys that really love the 90s late 90s era of professional wrestling and so that's really what they try to recreate here i agree but what they i think what they forget about the 90s wrestling was that um it was fresh it was original and i think what we're really wanting is we just we just want some original characters <coughs> some stars that we didn't view when we were younger on our TV as current champions now. Like, you mean to tell me there's not a 26 to 30-year-old stud who's like Steve Austin on the fucking mic, who's fresh, has a new gimmick, who could just come out and, if booked properly, not just take over the world right now? I mean, based off what I see when I view indies, when I view other scenes, those guys are out there. They just need to be pushed properly. They need to be booked properly. And you need to kind of just let them be themselves within the confines of the of the character that you're trying to create. And I just don't feel like that's happening right now. Well, that's the age-old question about did, did McMahon create the, the wrestling boom of the 80s or was it Hulk Hogan? And I think the answer is is that it's both. you got to have the right guy with the right look and the right, the right charisma, the right presence. And then you have to have the booking and the talent surrounding him to elevate him. And I just think that they're just one of there's an element of that equation that's missing in all cases. Yeah. And and you see it. You see it very pronounced in WWE, because as we talked about in the raw preview, they have to go. They have to bring John Cena and Goldberg back because they haven't elevated anyone to be able to legitimately challenge for one of their two world championships at a major event and in AEW it's a little bit different because they are doing things to elevate certain talents Darby Allen yeah is an example Jungle Boy you know in off and on with Jungle Boy but at least they're doing it and and up until recently Adam Page so but then there's there's something that happens and we'll talk about a little bit of that and what i my opinion of what's going on once we get to that 
to that point in this program. But for the most part, this, the, like I said, the labors of Jericho, the, 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 I think they're drawing it out so long now that I've just lost any interest in seeing him take on MJF. So what would you get? What would you have graded this entire opening segment? D minus. D minus. I yeah, it's just... I was right there with you. I would give it a D. And the reason why it's getting elevated from a D minus to a D plus as far as I'm concerned from my scorecard was uh, Hoovy. Hoovy definitely brought in the effort. He hit some cool stuff. Jericho is just, look, dude, he's 50. There's a certain way you wrestle when you're 50 versus what you did when you were 25, right? So, Well, I, well, my opinion, the way that you let a guy like Jericho wrestle at 50 is, is you don't have him out there week after week after week, and you don't let him go 10, 15, 20 minutes at a time. Yeah. Def- and they are violating both aspects of that because he's out there every week. He's getting overexposed, and he's blown up. I mean, he's... I mean, he's 50. Like, it's not it's not a critique of his conditioning or his or his physic his physicality or how he looks. It's just he's he's a 50 year old man who likes the things that he likes, and you know, God knows his body has taken way more bumps than mine ever has or ever will. But it's not to sound like I'm criticizing him. I'm criticizing the decisions to have him go out there that often and for that long. Yep. I fully agree with you. So uh, basically, he gets a D average. The opening sequence graduates in American high school. Okay, so <laughs> one thing was, and you know, this goes back to our first AEW review. This was uh, the Nick Gage versus uh, Chris Jericho match. We there was one segment where because I was completely new to the product, because I admittedly I admitted on this program that. Uh, in terms of AEW, if it was on while I was flipping the channels, I'd catch a match here and there. There were some guys I liked, but I never got to see the full product end-to-end. And now that I've gotten to see two, there was something that you had mentioned where you thought that they were trying to bury Adam Page based off some of the decisions they made. So that uh, 10-man elimination tag match that happened last week that ended with him getting the shit slopped at, knocked out of him, and getting pinned for me as an outsider i was like yeah but he didn't give up he kept fighting that kind of put him over because he's trying to cheat you had mentioned well yeah but he just lost his title his title shot so we go into adam page cutting a promo telling the dark order to not come in to not not interfere no matter what with that match and he basically didn't really talk much during his preview. Kenny Omega comes out, completely overshadows him on the mic. They beat the ever-living shit out of him. There's still no main event involving Kenny Omega. And Adam Page, you know, or Hangman, he's, he's got nothing really... I, I think I have to agree with you that almost in a way AEW is kind of burying him. And didn't they also say that Christian Cage was also going to be the number one contender for against Kenny Omega now, right? Yep, so, that is correct. So this is one of those things where AEW, and you, you, you gave a good term. You said, hey, whatever happens next week is going to signify whether or not they're trying to bury Adam Page. And based off what they said, I mean, Kenny Omega called him a, fu- a freaking loser uh, and then made him look like one. 
And then the Dark Order looked like a group of idiots because they just let their friend just get savagely beaten. So that stable looks weak. Adam Page, who's a guy who probably could have carried the belt next, you can't carry him now. Um, so I have to say on this show, live in front of our Twitch audience and anybody listening to this podcast, you were 100% correct, Steve. <laughs> well, I think what we're seeing is, and, and a, a theme in this show for me was two words, holding pattern. What I think we're seeing is a in real time kind of soft reset of AEW. And some people may disagree with that. But what I mean by that is, is if you go back two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, they were clearly gearing up for Adam Page Omega. That match has been in the works. There has been a, a slow burn up to that for a year. You know, he was announced as the number one contender. You know, they, they were they're going back to their issues with each other ever since they were the tag team champions. And now all of a sudden you have these big name talents that are coming in. You got the, the CM Punks, the, the Daniel Bryant, Brian Danielsons, you know, possibly now Bray Wyatt, you know, whoever Rick it may Flair be. Flair coming to manage. <clears throat> right. Yeah. So if all those people immediately come into the top of the card, just because you can't have everyone at the top of the card, now everyone else has to go down. Yeah. You'll see, you see it with Jungle Boy. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. I mean, Jungle Boy wasn't even on this show. Jungle Boy was not on this show, and Orange Cassidy has basically become a manager yeah. these past couple weeks. Well, he always was a manager. But. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so, yeah, so, you know, Christian Cage, I love Christian Cage, but he is the, that is the ultimate, hey, we're we're in a holding pattern here. It's going to be Cage challenging for the title at the pay-per-view. Does anyone really think that Cage is going to win the title? No. No. That's not happening. It's a throwaway match. And actually, Cage Cage had an interesting line in his interview after they announced him as the number one contender where he referred to himself as elite. Yep. And that made me wonder if they're setting up the potential for him to join the elite. Oh. Because they're going to need they're going to need some top heels for these new, you know, big time babyface wrestlers to come in and and take on and Christian can do the do the job as a big heel. Maybe I'm reading too much into the word. Maybe he was just trying to say he was on the same level, but I found it to be an interesting comment. But yeah, so so right now you're just seeing, in my opinion, just a a in real time, just slow but soft reset of AEW. They're gonna they're gonna Adam Page is out of the picture now. <clears throat> I mean, even Miro, the the TNT champion. Yeah. I mean, who's his next challenger? They have him defend the belt, but it's not against anyone who's gonna take the title. Who's his next opponent? They haven't really gotten there yet, right? There's just this big holding pattern, I think, until these new talents come in. Then there'll be a reshuffling of the of the hierarchy, the pecking order, if you will, in AEW. And then I think we'll start seeing, you know, where everyone where everyone's dance partner begins to, to come in. Got it. Yep. That that actually makes perfect, perfect sense. And then there's I, I believe what we saw on AEW, and this is when the Elite Squad, speaking of them, was um, they were uh, doing their promo in front of the basketball hoop, 
Did you notice uh, the subliminal advertising within that to talk about the future as what's to come? So, uh, freaking Kenny Omega had the Cookie Monster shirt. Cookie Monster CM. Then you had uh, the Young Bucks. They were in though that Hawaiian getup. So that's clearly Bray Wyatt. And then you had uh, one of the Impact Tag Team Champions in a Ric Flair robe. Uh, I Do you think that that was a subtle way of the elite subliminally telling us what to expect? I've learned to not read too much into anything that comes from their mouths. I think they're just a bunch of goofs. So, you know, they could have just been trolling for all I know. I, I, I try not to read too much into it. Um <clears throat> I, uh, you know, hey, just to go back to the Adam Page thing real quick one more time, a, a thought that just popped into my head is, you know, there's there's times when wrestling companies have to strike once they've built someone up and it's their time to take the title. And I think sometimes you have wrestling companies that kind of they either overthink it or they get cold feet and it just never works to the advantage of the guy that they're doing it to. And I and I think of you know, Braun Strowman a couple years ago when, you know, it looked like it was the time for him to, to beat Brock Lesnar. I think to Lex Luger in 1993 when it, when he was supposed to beat Yokozuna for the for the title and then they, they kind of backed out of it with that cheap count-out uh, win that he got at SummerSlam. And, you know, the, I, I think they were thinking, well, you know, he'll win it at WrestleMania, but by the time they swung back around to WrestleMania, the momentum wasn't with him anymore. I think they're doing Paige a disservice. I think it was his time. And honestly... If 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 you want to keep Page hot, let him challenge for the title at the pay per view. Let them cheat to beat him. I mean, they do it all the time. Yeah. And let them. I mean, this time let them royally screw Page out of out of out of winning the match. Yep. And then let let Page just kind of be like on that upper mid card level, just kind of like on the periphery of the title picture. You could paint it as Omega's ducking him. You know. And then that way you don't completely neuter Adam Page like they just did. I mean, they completely cut his balls off. Yep, 100%. I mean, if you look at the promo, he didn't get to say anything. I don't know why in the fuck he would tell these guys, to tell the Dark the dark Order to not jump in. Um, it was uh, it, it just it was a miss for me. Um, it was a miscalculation at best. Um if it's something nefarious where they're like, hey, we just, you know, you were the thing, but now either Punk or Daniel Bryan's going to be the thing. Sorry. See you later. <laughs> Enjoy the mid card. Well, but I just, I just can't, I just can't see why you would push that hard to get a guy like this over who's got the talent, the look, the mic skills, it's fresh. You know, their product is mirroring wcw which was more of a southern product or that's the he's audience that, that they're crowd. trying to go he's, he's got that crowd behind him he's got the crowd behind him he's got the right everything about him screams babyface champion and like you said give him the pay-per-view give him the match like and let's just let's just run it and go because you can't they uh, here's the best way i would describe it when you have something like that, it's legitimately like catching lightning in a bottle. You're not going to do it twice, and there's no guarantee it's going to freaking stay in the bottle. So you might as well make some magic happen. Let him let him take a stupid loss, but lose in a way to where he can come back. Well, in, well, in my mind, the genie's already out of the bottle. They've communicated that Adam Page is not on the same level as Kenny Omega, period, end of story. 
yeah. that's what they've communicated. That is definitely what what has been communicated by AEW, and I think I think they screwed over a guy who is probably who could have very well been a very good draw and a very good champion for him. So so they've so in my mind they've decided because they have this pay per view coming up. What are you selling the pay per view based on? <clears throat> well, if you let Adam Page challenge for the title, in my mind. I would legitimately be wondering if they were going to do a title change. Yep. Right? We've already agreed with Christian Cage challenging for the title that the the, the title's not changing hands. So now what are they selling this pay-per-view on? Well, my guess is, is what they're thinking is, is the the potential for a CM Punk appearance or a a Brian Danielson appearance. Well, why not do both? Yeah. You know, if they proceed with Adam Page, I would still be wondering if they were going to swap the title. Then you do the screw job on them, right, where they, they just cheat like hell to beat them. Yeah. <clears throat> and and then you still do, drop CM Punk, and then it's 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 fantastic, but How? I don't know why they have to do one or the other, and like I said, they just completely cut his balls off. Okay, so assuming that, you know, they wouldn't have chopped his balls off like they just did, and it was actually just a schmoz how Kenny Omega beat him. How do you want Punk introduced? Do you want Punk to come out on the mic saying he's back? Or do you want Punk to just come out and kick the shit out of the elite squad and then go on the mic and cut one of his promos? Well, here's what I wish. I wish they would just stop playing footsie with this whole thing and just announce it. Yeah, that's true. I I think, though, they're getting all kinds of buzz, and I kind of get why they market things a certain way now. Because it's not the old school where you're going for commercial time. What they're really doing is they got every blog boy, every fanboy going, oh, is Punk coming back? They got the intrigue of people talking. They're selling they're selling the sizzle right now. But at some point, people are going to get overly fucking hungry and want the goddamn steak, to your point. <laughs> so, anyways, we're going to go back into, uh, let's go into the trios match between 2.0 and uh, John Moxley, Darby Allen, and Eddie. Uh, what's, what was his last name again, Steven? Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston, which I thought was actually a decent match overall, but my favorite part about this whole thing was the intros. The intros were just freaking, were just fan-freaking-tastic. The one that, that won me over fully was the John Moxley Wild Thing entrance. Um, and as I was just saying, um, I I liked Dean Ambrose. Um, and if you think about it, this dude has had some gimmicks that have just gone over over the last couple years. I mean, God, he was he was a part of the original Shield, right? Yep, as Ambrose, yep. As Ambrose before uh, he was replaced by many people joined the Shield at that point. Kurt Angle did no. a little cameo. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, they, they really, they, they just kind of broke up, and then he went into, then he became like the loose cannon, Dean Ambrose, or whatever they called him. So he's just, you know, or the, the lunatic fringe. I'm sorry, that's what they called him. Like, God, God, my apologies to, to the late Brian Pillman for referring to Dean Ambrose as the, as the loose cannon. He was the lunatic fringe Dean Ambrose. Lunatic fringe Dean Ambrose, yes. So anyways, it was a, an amazing uh, introduction. The crowd was loving it. And Tony Khan must really like you if he, if he pays a licensing fee for your song because some people, not everybody gets a licensed song, and damn, if everybody got a licensed song, maybe that crowd would really, really be into that show. 
I think they just look for for things that get the the crowd engagement up. You know, the the the, the crowd likes singing along to, to Jungle Boy. You know, the Tarzan Boy rather when Jungle Boy comes out. Same thing with mate with the. Uh, wild thing the same thing with with jericho's song that you know obviously he recorded with fozzy so i uh, you know the hey, kudos to him for being willing to spend the money yep um but yeah the, the the match itself was was what it was i mean it was you know three nobodies challenging three of the bigger stars on the roster i think the only thing that that uh, that bothered me about this and it's just a minor critique but you know these these new guys come in they challenge the big stars and then they act like such fanboys around them you know especially the part outside where it's like oh my god you're really sting well yeah you challenged darby allen his manager is sting what were you expecting you know i I, yeah that kind of took me out of the moment but other than that it was it was you know you knew what you were going to get here um you get the obviously the the three stars going over you get the entrance you get the coffin drop from darby allen it's you know rinse and repeat I will say I do I do like the coffin drop as a finishing move. I like the mystique kick that uh, that Malachi Black hits. I mean, dude, there are some pretty good finishers in AEW. I must admit, some guys have some good yeah. some there's some there's some good finishers that I've seen or some catchy. Just ones. not just not the walls of Jericho these days. Uh, it used to be so good. It used to be fantastic, Steve. I was always not... a bigger fan of the lion tamer, though. You know that when he that high angle walls when he would put the knee in the neck like that was oof, that yeah. looked good. That did look good. I mean, and then that was back when he was Lionheart, yeah. Well, yeah, and and his early days in in WCW when he was just Chris Jericho. You know, he would do the the lion tamer. Yes, he would. All right, so I mean that segment. Um... As I said before, I don't know which part got cut out. I'm going to go here. But, you know, I I do enjoy Sting as a manager now. Um, Sting as a manager. um, To me, coaching a guy like Darby Allin, getting him over, um, is significantly a better role for a guy at Sting's age than, I don't know, having a fucking death match with Nick Gage. (laughs) Well, you know, to each their own. Sting has apparently already been through his midlife crisis, so. Yes, yes, he has, and he has found other ailments, and a lot of people's wives have found out some stuff, but that is another oh, story boy. another time. <laughs> so, how would you have graded that overall segment? Uh, C+. Plus. I mean, you know, it, it, there was nothing really special about it. It did what it was supposed to do. You know, the entrance is take it from a c average to the plus for me so b minus for me wild thing i'm sorry but anytime i say, i hear that song and i think ricky vaughn coming out in the final game to pitch to to beat to beat out the guy who hit a homer on him twice then it's just wild thing and then the crowd going wild i'm getting fucking close up goosebumps uh give him the heater ricky forget about the fastball give him the heater and then, or or how good is it as he's walking out, the the owner who's trying to get them to finish dead last so she can sell the company to Miami, she's basically just like, I hate this fucking song. Like, that was that was fantastic. So, entrance music alone got a B-. minus. I don't give a fuck what happened in the ring after that part, but yeah. I wonder if the movie Major League is now going to come with a, with a trigger warning because of the, because it's the Cleveland Indians. 
And what mm-hmm. is what is the new name of the Cleveland baseball team? Is it just Cleveland the, baseball team? No, it's the Cle. Apparently, they announced the Cleveland Guardians. Although I hear that there's a another sports team called the Cleveland Guardians that might be giving them some trouble. But my guess is is they'll they'll take care of that issue. But they announced the the Cleveland Guardians. The Cleveland Guardians. Well, I mean, it's more creative than the Washington football team. Well, there's nothing creative about the Washington Redskins or the football teams. <laughs> no, there's there is nothing there at all. Wait, did the Washington, like, because uh, the Cleveland Indians, have they ever won a World Series? I thought they won it back in 54, I want to say. Got it. Then I know they made it one year, and actually Charlie Sheen. Or no, wanted... maybe it was 54 years since they had won. Let me look that up real quick. Continue. Yeah, because I remember one year they made it to the World Series. Charlie Sheen showed up, and he was like, hey, can I throw the first pitch? And they said no. And I remember when they lost, uh, my post was they should have put in the wild thing. <laughs> 1948 was their last World Series championship. So, so 70, it's been a little while. 73 years, uh, to be precise there, then. See, as a Mets fan, it could always be worse, right? Absolutely. Okay, when's the last time the Mets made a World Series appearance? 2015. 2015. And did you guys win? No, we lost to the Kansas City Royals. Ah, four game, Four games to one. Complete. That, that's got to fucking suck. Not as bad as their last World Series appearance before that, because that was in 2000 where they lost to the Yankees four games to one. Oh, and... So basically, you're a New York sports fan, and you hate I the am. Yankees, and you hate the Yankees, but you love the Mets. I love the Mets. So Mets get eliminated. Yankees are in the World Series against another team you're so so about. Who do you root for? The team that I'm so so about. It, see, the 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 hard years were like 2009 when it was the Yankees against the Philadelphia Phillies in the World Series. Because then I'm like I'm like ugh. You know, like, who do I root for here? Like, you know, I'm, can I can I hope it ends in a draw? Like, I... <laughs> Absolutely. All right, cool. So, moving on through into this review, we made it through a technical difficulty. The fire is back alive within all of us. Um, I have to ask this. Earlier in the show... We had mentioned the the main event of the evening, and I, mm-hmm. I had mentioned that Cody Rhodes actually surprised me here because the one thing you and I had said was that uh, your I think your biggest concern was that you kept bringing out, it's like, what if <clears throat> Cody comes out and he beats Malachi Black clean? And me, I said, you well, know, that- I... And then I said on the show, you can you can review tape. It's there. We got we got like twelve hours of footage here, so you can hear what I said. Um, I had mentioned something, and I'm paraphrasing myself, of course, that I said I could see Cody doing the job, but I couldn't see him doing it clean. Like I could see a schmaz of type, I could see cheating, I could see weapons, but uh, apparently he took that mystique kick to the face like mm-hmm. a freaking champ because did you notice like it it connected like the cody was legit cut the hard way uh hence why it was not a clean beautiful blood trickling down type of situation um 
I thought I I was pleasantly surprised with the match. Before we get too deep into it, what are your initial thoughts of one Cody Rhodes versus uh, Malachi Black? Well, if you remember, one of the things that I said was is what should happen is Black should kick his ass. I didn't think that they would do it. Well, they did it. So, you know, the, the way that the match was laid out, I was I was all about it. The uh, the bump that Cody took when when Black kicked him off the top rope and he went backwards off the off the top rope to the arena floor through the table. You know, that was that was a that was a nice spot right there like that. And then Black hits him with the Mystique kick. I still, I still think Black Mass is a better name for it. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna call it what what they called it in the in his used to place, Black Mass kick. And then pins him with one foot on his chest, which was like, mm, all right. So that's how that's how it should be done. Yeah. Now, now the question is, is do they have the discipline? Do does Cody have the discipline now to just let that? stand because the post match makes me believe they're heading to another match and that's where I have the the Brody Lee fear and and what I mean by that is is Brody Lee similarly uh when Cody needed to go away to film his big great big show or whatever whatever it is that he's doing um and he was the TNT champion they had Brody Lee come in and dominate him he didn't pin him with one foot but he dominated him and pinned him and then a couple weeks later, Cody came back, beat him in the dog collar match, retook the TNT title, and it ended up doing nothing for Brody Lee that, that the first match should have done on its own. So right now, that did wonders for Black. They cannot have Cody come back and beat him, at least not now. Yeah. Right? No, well, not in a couple weeks. Like this, this, this needs to go away. The, the retirement tease did absolutely nothing for me. I don't buy into wrestling retirements. Wrestling retirements are bullshit. I'll know you're retired when you're dead. That's pretty much how, because even because even the one retirement that I thought was actually legit, the Shawn Michaels retirement, yeah. eventually he even came out of retirement for the blood money match in Saudi Arabia, the tag the tag team match with Triple H. So um, I don't believe for a minute he's retiring, and th- th- and that's what takes it out. I mean, he's he's 36 years old. He's he's clearly not retiring. <clears throat> and then Black coming back at the end. So, so this is the part. This is the only. This is the only critique of the match that I had was the match itself was great. <clears throat> so, you know, the sixth spot with the with the fall through the, the 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 mystique kick, right? Took it took it the way he should have. And then at the end, Black comes back, <clears throat> and just hits him like little powder puff in the back with the crutch, and then Cody acts like he just got shot. Just have him kick him again. I mean, you've already established that the move can can knock Cody yeah. down to the point that he could be pinned with one foot. Why did he have to give him the fake-looking crutch shot to the back where it wasn't even a full swing? It was like he just pushed it into him. But minor critique, minor criticism aside, this match did everything it needed to do for Black. This was an A-plus, in my mind, with the with the caveat that if – Cody comes back and beats him at the pay-per-view or beats him in a couple of weeks on TV, then this immediately becomes an F for me. Okay, so what what I'm hearing, if I'm hearing correctly, sir, I this is probably your first – no, I think it's your second A since we've been doing this show. And we're six deep. And first got, A, this is the first A+. Plus. First A+. Plus. Now, for those at home, this is not a this gym is, class A. This is an actual 100% AP calculus A. Is that what I'm saying here and here? 
Yes. Up until up until the post match angle with the retirement tees, this is exactly how I would have booked it. You know what? Here here's where I actually liked the retirement bit only because I actually believed Cody at that time. And what I was thinking is, does this guy have such a reputation to where he's always putting himself over? Was this his way of saying, hey, I'm going to give to the business one time, take my boots off on TV, go to the back and just be a producer now? You know, and then Malachi could have played it like, hey, I'm going to, I, you know, I beat this guy into retirement. Like if he actually retired there, that would have added to it. Um, what I feel like happened, and this was a concern that you brought up um, two episodes ago, and that um, the the issue there was that um, you had you had mentioned that uh, oh fuck I lost my train of thought there for a second. Uh, one thing that was mentioned was that um, fucking a. I lost my train of thought there. Son of a bitch. That's well, the first well hey, happened. so 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 when it when it comes to this situation, and I know you said that you there was parts of the post match, the, the retirement angle that you liked, and here's the thing. If Cody was actually gonna retire, don't do it in that moment. Just disappear for a couple weeks and then maybe make an announcement later. By immediately going into the retirement gimmick, he immediately takes the spotlight off of black, which is where it should have been, and back onto himself, and he just got his ass beat. So, you know, I, I Oh, I, I know oh. my train of thought now. Okay, my bad. Go ahead. Sorry. So, basically, Malachi Black, even though he was trying to come off as a heel, he was getting over with the crowd. So, I thought, okay, wow, that what they're trying to do is this is a vulnerable moment for Cody. You just beat him. You just beat him into retirement. Now you smash him with a freaking crutch that he needs to walk based off the damage that you just did to him. And you smash him with a crutch. You give that devilish look to the fucking camera. And we cut out. That's what I thought was like, okay, now you're really trying to make a dude a heel. Because how do you make someone a heel? You got to make the crowd love the baby face. And then you got to do something ultra shitty to that baby face. So that the people at home feel something about it. So I know what they were trying to do there. And as somebody who is less uh, experienced with the AEW product and as coming coming as a guy who's seen two weeks worth of shows, it did what it needed to do for me. It did what it needed to do for me. Uh, I agree. I, like I said, I, the match up until the retirement angle did everything it, and then some that it needed to do to get Black to where he needed to be. I just think that the, the post-match was a little too contrived for my liking. It took the spotlight off of Black and put it back onto Cody. It's clearly setting up a rematch, and the and and like I said, wrestling retirements in general are bullshit to me. But this one in particular smells really bad, like bullshit. And my fear is is that this sets up Cody. You know, we were talking about 50/50 booking, right? And it always seems with Cody, there's 50/50 booking. When he gives, he always takes back. Kind of the Triple H kind of mentality. I, I fear that, you know, he is going to somehow, you know, and they'll think that they're protecting him by having it be with like a weapon or some kind of schmoz. But he looked uh, black. I mean, looked dominant. It's how he needed to look. Cody, in my mind, should just 
kind of disappear for a little while just to to really sell the fact that, you know, kind of like Rocky three, you know, Rocky got beat up by Clubber Lang real bad. And then he was afraid to come back. That's what this should be. If you want Cody to, to disappear for six months and then later, once the landscape is kind of reshuffled to come back and say, hey, man, I'm I'm you know, I'm, I'm coming back for you. I got my mojo back, whatever. Fine. But, you know, they're not going to wait that long. This is this is going to be brought back. It wouldn't surprise me to see them announce a rematch for next week or the week after. God, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But for the moment, in isolation, during this episode, A+. Plus. A+. Plus, I agree. I have to go, I have to go A+, plus as well. Um, match, badass work. I love Malachi's mm-hmm. moveset. Amazing. Cody's sell happened. It wasn't quite the uh, Kofi-Lashley match, but goddamn, was it? It was as close to one-sided as you could go against a top guy like Cody. Cody got got his ass ass beat. Yeah. Got his ass beat, which is exactly what needed to happen. Exactly what needed to happen. But your fear is that it's Cody is basically saying, hey, man, I'm going to give you the free TV, but you're going to give me the pay-per-view. Well, I just think he's going to get it back. One way or another, he's going to get it back. And, And I'm okay with him getting it back down the road. Yeah. I'm afraid they're going to give it back to him within the next three to four weeks, ah. which then in my mind, doesn't it doesn't do what it needs to do for the black character. It protects the Cody character. The Cody character is made in AEW. It's 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 made. It, it is what it is with this with this crowd. Black needs to be established. Exactly. And they did that here. But yep. Now they need to maintain it. You know, it's funny. Cody Rhodes' dad, Dusty, had an awesome saying that he would tell guys. And he would say, hey, how could I miss you if you don't go away? So, to your point, Cody should just go away for a bit. Just let this be. Let it happen. And then three months. I'd even take three months down the line. Three months. Let Malachi become the badass. Let Cody come back. And let let's and then he could just do a promo like, hey, I was retired, blah, blah, blah. I see the havoc you caused on the company that I have built, and I'm here to stop you. Something like that would be cool. Three to six months, I think, is the perfect window. I'm a little disappointed. You know, your, your Macho Man impression's pretty good, and when you mentioned Dusty Rhodes, I thought we were going to get a Dusty Rhodes impression. I love me a good Dusty Rhodes impression. I can't do Dusty Rhodes as well, man. Do, do we'll Dusty. We'll have to practice. I, well, I, I didn't. If I could do Dusty, then... If I could do Dusty, baby, then I would just do Dusty. I can't, see, I can't, it doesn't sound right. You don't do the shit if you don't know how to do the shit. <laughs> I got to listen we'll to Cody. We'll work on that one. I have to, I have to do that. Oh, yeah. Much WrestleMania 3, my Pontiac, Michigan, 97,000 people watching, and this is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's cup of coffee. Cup of coffee in the big leagues. Yeah. God damn, yeah. I love this macho man. See? You don't see you don't see promos like that anymore, dude. That's because you don't see guys on fucking cocaine because of the WWE. All of a sudden, now they care about their wrestlers. <laughs> they care about not getting a lawsuit and bad PR. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, the blog boys killed it. Because back in the day, folks, promos, freaking, they would not. If you okay, and I swear to Christ, I believe this to this day. The promo that I had just cut <laughs> pretending to be macho man randy savage look it up on youtube there's a point in the match where he's doing the little something something underneath the camera he turns around takes a bump of cocaine and then finishes his promo 
and just goes, whoa, whoa, man. Like, freaking crazy. That man most certainly does do a bump of cocaine on live television, yes. Okay, so our wrestlers growing up would do cocaine live on state camera because they couldn't wait 30 fucking seconds to do a line of cocaine. The Mega Powers, yeah. the Mega Powers promos, man, though how those guys would get high, that was that was that was just freaking insane. All right, so this week's AEW, what would you grade it? Well, you know, that that, that isn't that's actually an interesting question. So I'm going to say based on the strength of the main event, um with everything feeling like it's in a holding pattern, holding pattern actually might be a good thing because they they didn't do anything counterproductive except with Adam Page, which it, that seems to be intentional. So I can't really knock them for that. I don't think it's the right thing to do, but whatever. You know, the the, the fans are clearly expecting Punk. They continue to tease it a little bit, um, but like I said, the main event delivered for me. You know, the six man was decent. Everything else felt like filler. I'm actually going to go with a B minus. B minus? Okay. The show has finally cracked the C threshold with me. I will give this a B minus. You know what? Here's what I'll say. Judging the show as a whole, they're starting a few decisions. And as I, as I alluded to in the early on in the show, they do things well, and then they do things not so well. But when they hit it, it it hits for me right now. If they at least see through this MJF storyline, at least they saw through it. At least they they made a plan and they're actually just going to freaking close shop on it. And if it sucks, it sucks. Move on. But you have to close it, right? Like you have to have the Adam Page match. You have to do things. So... Even though I'm not a fan of the whole labor thing, you can't quite push abort mission right now. You kind of have to just see it through. At, um, at, at least it went first. And it went first. So the opening match, and the opening <clears throat> match wasn't 35 fucking minutes and wasn't like... Well, it was. It, it felt 35 minutes, but... <laughs> well, that's only because of it... Because they were moving in, in half speed. They were moving half speed. And I'm like, how could you do flying maneuvers at half speed? Doesn't gravity stop that? But goddamn, Jericho managed to defy the laws of fucking physics and gravity with that mm. match. Um, you know what? I would go solid B just based off the main event because of what Cody Rhodes was willing to do. He definitely gave back. Uh, Malachi is a total freaking beast. And... If they play Malachi right, he's gonna ha- he's gonna be a, a very very intriguing heel for a couple of baby faces who are coming through the wing, because you gotta you gotta have those types of guys, those types of heels who are gonna be able to play ball with guys like CM Punk and Daniel Bryan and not look horrible. And I think for for right now AEW at least has one heel for those guys to work with. You're starting to see a an infrastructure, a skeleton come into shape i just hope that they have a plan with all of this i hope they do or at least the guys who they're bringing in have enough pull within the company to at least have their own segment of things right because i mean Mm. kenny omega here's the thing about him 
he looks and feels like a mid-card guy. And if and I don't care what organization you've looked at, mid-card guys have always had some cartoony gimmicks, and it, and they work if they're on the mid-card, right? So I could see certain acts being pushed down, but I don't think Kenny is going to go to the mid-card quietly. I think we're going to... No. Gonna... Yeah, no. Go ahead. Keep oh, going. Yeah. I don't, I'm agreeing with he's you, sir. Not, I am agreeing yeah, yeah, yeah. with he's you. He's not going to go to the mid-card quietly, but I think gravity of the talent that we're, they're bringing in is going to push him there naturally, which will be the best thing for him and AEW because he can still do silly stuff. He's still an EVP. And, you know, a mid-card doing silly shit is not the same thing as your main event doing silly shit. So... I think it would be the best thing for AEW if he took a step back, went to the mid card, maybe worked Miro, maybe worked somebody else. But we, but I know it's not gonna happen that way immediately. He's gonna work Punk. He's gonna work Brian. He's gonna get. He's gonna if he's gonna get sent down to the mid card, he's gonna get sent down in style. Um, yeah, he he won't be he won't be in the mid card. He'll always be in and around the title picture of some in some way shape or form especially with with the elite stable the elite stable yeah they're they're a uh i don't know about the stables of this AEW. that's that's my one qualm with AEW. i'm not liking the stables i hate the stables and i was a big stable person like i, I i've been dying with, like when the wwe formed the hurt business oh i remember with, around lashley like i love that right and I got excited when, you know, that when AEW started introducing stables, but my God, everyone's in a stable and they all suck. Exactly. Like, I like stables that make sense. But where's the four horsemen? Yeah, the four horsemen. NW- Hell, where's, where, where's the Undisputed Era? I mean, the, the, the Undisputed Era, the way that they were set up in NXT was fantastic. And it's just, it, all these stables are just there. Exactly. And every stable I was used to, the one that I liked served a purpose. Like the Hurt Business served a purpose. It did. Uh, uh, NWO served a purpose. New World Order, we're invading your company. Uh, The Elite serves no purpose. The Corporation served a purpose. The Ministry of Darkness served a purpose. They should have never merged, but it happened. And then that killed both of them. But that's another story. Corporate Ministry, huh? I didn't. I liked it for five <laughs> seconds, and then afterwards, it's like you guys are just too freaking powerful. And then I was like, "Wait a minute, what the fuck is the Mean Streets of Granite or the Mean Street Posse doing with the Undertaker?" That was, no, no, get that off my TV screen right now. Um, yeah. That that was like booking that didn't make sense. But they were like, "Wow, you know, this one's over and this one's over." We just run everything. And then didn't they form uh, the new union with Foley, Ken Shamrock, and they had, like, the two-by-fours, but that one didn't quite well, do what it needed it to do? Well, at that point, the stables had become so ridiculous that they were very akin to AEW now, and I just stopped paying attention. The, the, the stable has to serve a purpose, and and not everyone can be in one. And there's, like, there's like six stables. I mean, you got... I mean, we didn't talk about it in the show, but you had the the little uh, Team Taz thing, and it's like I don't care about Team Taz. Like, we didn't, and I love Taz. I love but Taz I don't, too. I don't, but I don't care about this stable. Yeah, I love I love Taz too, much like you do, sir. But to your to to what you were just saying right there, um, yeah, I don't believe that table stable 
it seems like a couple it, of job guys who are working with Taz, and then the only one who's a potential star was Brian Cage, and then the only guys that they actually beat were each other. So it really just doesn't doesn't do it for me. And then I even even Andrade's trying to form a stable with with two members of Death Triangle, and I'm just like, why? I have no clue, man. No freaking clue. As I mentioned, like the Shield was cool. Like she, like if you have a stable that serves a purpose, that has a mission to which all the wrestlers are working towards that mission together, and they are properly cast. When I I finally revisited what your critiques were on the Dark Order, and you make perfect sense. It's like okay, Adam Page is a cowboy, and then you have no other fucking cowboys in a cowboy stable. You got a cowboy and like six gimps. Exactly. You got two dudes who are in like fucking masks that looks like you could you could have got them at the Halloween store off taking on a stable called the Elite by the way. The Elite, yes. And the Elite are a bunch of guys who act like a bunch of ass clowns, but to their credit, at least every single member has a title belt. While the crowd chants cowboy shit at the guys in the S&M masks, which again proves my point that these guys can just shit in the fans' mouths and the fans will, will say, mm, that tastes good, give me more. Now, how much longer do you think they get away with it or is it just baked in the cake at this point? I think it's just baked in the cake. I think, I think this is a crowd, they just like this stuff. Now, yeah, they, like, they, like, they like the stupid, goofy comedy. They, they like the, you know, the garbage deathmatch stuff. It's just, you know, they like watching Kenny Omega and, uh, and the Young Bucks and the Good Brothers, you know, pass a basketball around for some ungodly reason. That, <clears throat> was, know? that was just paid advertising at its best, buddy. I mean, that, it's uh, a cost of admission. It's a cost of admission. Cost of admission. For every... For every Malachi Black Cody match, or for every you know trios match with Moxley and Kingston and Darby Allen, you got to see, you know, Kenny Omega basically jerk off on live TV. Yeah, uh, in a Cookie Monster shirt, no less, uh, mm. trying to tell us, oh, Cookie Monster, CM, see the subliminal messaging here. We're really smart. Now, yeah, the subliminal messaging was about as subtle as it was with black and Cody and wearing black and white. Now, this begs me to ask the trillion-dollar question. All right, now say if they started to make changes around their product that are gonna um, that are gonna speak speak well to guys like you and I. That's gonna attract guys like you and I, fans like us, right? Is that gonna off-put their current fan base? I think you have to, I, possibly, but they're still going to be there. Their, their, their fan base isn't going anywhere. So now the question is, is, if you want more ratings, if you want to bring in more people, you have to offer. If all I sell are cheeseburgers, the only thing I get are people that like cheeseburgers. If I start, if I start offering fries and hot dogs and scam likely. Scam likely. Hold on. I have to answer this one moment. I didn't, I didn't know that you knew scam. Hey, scam Lickly. How are you? Scom Lickly. <laughs> no, what I like to do, what I love is. Uh, that Scom is a prick, man. No, I mean, hey, Scom Lickly. I mean, he told me within three to six months of giving him $10,000 a month that he will invest, that I will be a billionaire. Careful is he a Nigerian who, prince? He is a Nigerian prince. 
careful who you call a loser, ladies. I'm going to be a billionaire. Perhaps he is the one responsible for Apollo Crews and Commander Aziz. Oh, God. Dude, we were we were talking about that, and, you know, you people can revisit the last podcast, but essentially, why, why is the Intercontinental Champion not getting an entrance, a proper entrance? Why is the holder of my favorite championship of all time? I didn't even know who the fuck he was. Like, I didn't even because know who he's, the Intercontinental Champion was. Because he's one of 19 title holders. They only have two hours, and they got to they gotta, they gotta get through this stuff, man. Yeah, but if you have less airtime, shouldn't you have less titles? Uh, that would kind of... Oh, wait. That's too logical. We can't, we can't use logic here. It would almost be as logical as hiring writers who actually like and understand professional wrestling. Hmm. Well, speaking of illogical, let's get back to AEW. Let's get back to AEW. Why don't we why don't we draw the why don't we draw our conclusion on this particular episode of Dynamite? I know I said I said B minus, you said solid B. Do you have any other final thoughts on AEW Dynamite this week? Final thoughts on AEW Dynamite this week. Um I will say this. If they do a continuation of their good booking while staying in this holding pattern, I think I, I mean and let's also let's also give them props right now. This is the fourth week in a row they've had uh, over a million people watch their episode. So four weeks, one million eyeballs watching your product, that's not bad. They've gotten 1.1 the last three weeks. so you know, what I will say is this. I would say if you want to do the cartoony shit, that's that's going to appeal to your fan base, fine. You've built them. you got to keep them happy. Keep that shit on the mid card. You're about to bring in some serious fucking players, and serious fucking players want some serious storylines. They want some serious talent to actually compete against so that they can elevate their character. So what I would say is if Tony Khan allows the two new guys and possibly three or four guys who could be joining the company. And I will, if they let Rick, if they bring Rick Flair in to manage, if they bring in Brian White, if they bring in uh, Daniel Bryanson or whatever he's going to be called in AEW. Um, and of course, Mr. CM Punk, if he lets them, if he utilizes their knowledge of the business and putting together great characters and great stories, I think that 1.1 could turn into 1.5, 2 million, maybe even 2.2 very, very quickly if they book this properly and create a product that not only the people... Because look, dude, I like some goofy shit. I just don't want it all to be goofy. I don't want the champion to be goofy. I like the mid-card guys to be goofy. I like the undercard guys to be goofy. Like, you and I have had this discussion. One of my favorite mid-card guys of all time was Val Venus. I was, love me, love me some Sean Morley, Val Venus. Sean Morley, Val Venus, one of my favorite gimmicks of all time. Dude was built like a main eventer. Had a took hello a, ladies, hello ladies. Took a mid card gimmick and put it fucking over. You can do some goofy shit, but you got to keep it within the realm of reality. That's what I would say. So my final thoughts are: solid B. Keep up the good work. 
And please stop burying guys like Adam Page with stupid fucking stables or letting the fucking current champion go wee-wee in his mouth fucking two weeks in a row. That's my mm. final thoughts. Amen, brother. All right, what were your final thoughts on the episode just to, just to finish it off? Um, notable, like I said, it feels like a holding pattern. feels like a soft reset of the product right now while we wait for certain individuals to arrive. You know, you you know, no Orange Cassidy, got it. There was no Jungle Boy, you know, no, notably absent, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, that that's really all there is to say. I mean, they, they did what they needed to do to establish uh, Malachi Black. Yeah, oh. And, and that's what, and really, that, that that's really what, I was looking for one thing coming out of this episode, and that was it. Yeah. They delivered on that. And so, you know, everything else aside, the holding pattern comments, the Christian Cage is number one contender, what they're doing to Adam Page just takes a backseat for this particular episode in isolation. You know, it could be that as we get to the next episode, the episode after that, and then maybe on down to the pay-per-view that we'll look back on this episode and maybe it'll end up coming down a notch just based on the decisions that they make over the coming weeks. But for today just in isolation for what they did, they did what they had to do. Selfishly, they did it the way I would have done it. I think, you know, like I said, B minus for me. First B show of the of the Slammer Brothers podcast era for me. Um, hopefully, SummerSlam will be an A show, but we'll we'll talk about that later. But for now, that's my thoughts on Dynamite. Very, very, very well said. Um, now, finally. I think uh, I think we actually had a sensational show minus that 15 minute delay. So here's what some, I would some might some might argue that that was the most sensational part of the show. Some would because you know we were we were just talking about maybe that's our tradition because it was uh, we were just talking about hey every week we're trying to make the show a little bit better. We we find we gave them a great overlay. We stream directly to Twitch. We fix the audio issues. And then fucking <laughs> midway through, gold, golden podcast, some really good audio. Boom. Audio mm. goes dead. So, Like I said, some people might say that that is the, the best 15 minutes of the show. But uh, to those people, I would say that they're fucking pricks and that they're wrong. So, <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So, Steve. Uh, let's let's take this thing home, as they say in the wrestling business. Where can these wonderful people find you on social media? Well, hey, real real quick, before we get to that, I'd be remiss to not bring up the passing of uh, beautiful Bobby Eaton. Absolutely. You know, so we got the news today that, that one half of the former uh, NWA World Tag Team Champions, the Midnight Express, uh, passed away today at the age of 62. And, you know, for... They were never WWF, you know, they were always NWA. Uh, you know, I have some memories of the Midnight Express when I was growing up, you know, and their rivalry with the Rock and Roll Express. They wrestled all over the world. Um, and, you know, there were interchangeable parts to the Midnight Express at various times, but the, the, the real Midnight Express, the one that I and most people remember, the Dennis Condry and Bobby Eaton combination managed by Jim Cornette, uh, you know, former, again, NWA World Tag Team Champions. And, and ironically, you know, sadly, because I was paying attention to this, 
you know, his passing comes just a month and a half after his wife passed away, Bobby Eaton's wife. Also, ironically, at the age of 62. So, you know, I, I doubt anyone from their family is listening yet. However, um, you know, I would be remiss to not bring it up. And, and I think I can speak on behalf of you and our, our small but growing family of, of, uh, of listeners to say that our condolences go out to the Eaton family and to their, uh, their fans and the family and friends around them. 100%. Um, rest in peace. Uh, thank you so much. Um, you know, Bobby Eaton, uh, Jim Cornette, that was a great tag team. It was a great tag team with a great manager that left us all with a lot of amazing memories. Thoughts and prayers out to the family. Uh, I hope he rests in peace, and I hope that the family finds peace, and I hope that, um, you know, I hope that people will take a moment to YouTube him if you didn't know who he was and just really understand why today within the wrestling community every single major wrestler gave him his props because he was that guy and he was that good. Um, all right. You know, oh, you know, ahead. real quick, just just before we before we go to that, you know, one uh, one other memory that I have of Bobby Eaton, uh, aside from the Midnight Express, was an episode of WCW. I think it was Worldwide, and he actually took on Macho Man Randy Savage really? in a one-on-one match when Macho Man was in the NWO. Yeah. And, you know, Macho Man at that time was an on-top guy. You know, Bobby Eaton's main career was starting to wind down already. Um, but Macho Man, I, I, I do remember that match. I remember watching that match as a kid and, and Macho Man giving Bobby Eaton tons of offense in that match, not just steamrolling him because, you know, that that's the kind of guy that he was. That's the type of respect that he commanded. And I figured I'd bring it up to you since I know we're both such big, you know, fans of the macho man randy savage but another person who was lost long before his time and god every day i wish macho man was still around but um with that said with that said we'll end the we'll end the we'll end the podcast on a high note and we'll say that um where the where the folks can find me where i'm not uh magically silenced at times by some unforeseen force some higher power if you will i am on the instagram at steve under underscore slammer and like i said for uh, for those of you in the philadelphia area i will be at citizens bank park tomorrow night representing the new york mets as we try desperately not to fall into second place i will be in enemy territory sitting right behind the mets dugout and ready to to rumble with some drunken philadelphia fans it's going to be fucking awesome all right well you can find me jack slammer on instagram at jacks jack underscore slammer underscore fitness uh and then you could also buy some really badass jack slammer merchandise over at slammerfitness.com and if you want to get into shape you can go to jackslammer.com i am the ultimate fitness coach and uh, and if you want to support this podcast please toss us a follow on twitch share these links everywhere follow us on youtube the YouTube video tonight, admittedly, is going to be a little late because I have to cut out about 15 minutes of gold that, unfortunately, only I got to hear Steve talk. But I think you folks don't want to hear a bunch of radio silence. But we are on YouTube, and we are everywhere that podcasts are available. We have got currently a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, not just from my mother, also some of our coworkers. Thank you all so, so much for <laughs> tuning in. 
and we will see you on Saturday. Actually, on Sunday to review Sunday. SmackDown. I will be I will be crying if the Mets lose this series in Philadelphia. So it'll be it'll either be a, a good show, or I will be very very unhappy. It'll either be a good show because Stephen will be in a great mood to talk wrestling, <laughs> or God fucking forbid you folks are gonna have to deal with Jack the Gaff Machine Slammer to try to carry this goddamn pony to water. But until next time, we'll see you folks later. Bye-bye.